From solar winds to President Biden's executive order on cybersecurity to the collapse of the Pentagon's JEDI program to Log4J, it's been quite a year for cybersecurity in the federal government and for its first cousin, cloud computing. Federal News Network's executive editor Jason Miller has been following all of it. He joins me now with a summary and what you can expect for 2022. And Jason, let's start with cybersecurity. What was different in this year just ending? Where do you begin? And what does it portend for the year ahead? We know the year started off with the solar winds exploit and really probably start, that started in 2020, but 2021 is when agencies really focused on it. And Tom, that is driving so much about cybersecurity these days. And when I talked to, for instance, Eric Olson, who is the former Treasury Chief Information Officer who left earlier this year, and I asked him, what are the one or two things that really stood out to you in terms of the big stories? He, his number one thing was the long tail of solar winds. And I thought he said, the, the, listen, the sophistication, the scale, the stealth of the exploit really are driving federal technology priorities. And, and that's not surprising, but, but it's really a different type of cybersecurity. Dave Winogren, the, the CEO of ACT-IAC, former principal deputy CIO over DOD, said very similar things from SolarWinds to Colonial Pipelines, the fact that cybersecurity remains this national imperative, but it's not just the national imperative like we've talked about it in the past. Not this, well, we got to you know, secure the data, but this is all about intellectual capital, competitive advantage, you know, that's getting put at risk. And I think that's really playing a bigger role. It's a different type of discussion. And Tom, I'll just bring up one more thing about cybersecurity, of course. Uh, supply chain issues came up. Rob Dapkowitz from Mattel Federal, who is, you know, a big EIS, Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions contractor, he talked about supply chain for network telecom equipment, but you got to look more broadly than that. Supply chain as a cybersecurity issue, also another one that really drove the change that we saw over 2021 to be more secure. And I would say the other way that cybersecurity has spread out and will spread out is to physical infrastructure. I think practitioners have long known the tie-in between the two, but solar winds and the pipeline kind of brought that up to the fore. I hear a lot of discussion about the integration of operational technology, OT, and of course, the traditional IT. And operational technology is growing because of the Internet of Things. It's growing because of connected devices. You know, you used to think, well, I'll just t turn on the heater and the heater goes on. But now the heater is has a chip in it, and that chip is connected to the Internet sometimes. Or it's not connected to the Internet, but it has a Wi-Fi because it has to get updated. And now I think CIOs and CISOs and other folks around the government are really saying, okay, how do we secure them both? Because that is becoming a, a threat as well. And moving on to another huge issue, which is kind of allied with cybersecurity, but, and that is cloud. And we've both been watching cloud developments for, it seems like, a dozen years now in the federal government. Some big developments happened in cloud in the past year. Again, that tell us what we can expect coming into 2022. And I think the big thing for cloud is not so much, hey, we're in the cloud, or hey, the cloud is being used, but the reliance on the cloud services provided to provide digital services, citizen services. I talked to Suzette Kent, the former federal chief information officer during the Trump administration. And while she did not say specifically cloud computing, she said two things that really cloud plays a big role in. She pointed to the move from paper processes to completely digital. She highlighted, for instance, the temp temporary worker certifications, the work by the Labor Department and the Social Security Administration for around interviews and onboarding and offboarding, and that really the business continuity for high quality, faster results that the cloud brought that ability. 
The other thing she pointed to was implementing broad scale data sharing. Again, it goes back to whether it's vaccine research and vaccine distribution to worksite safety or just the everyday work that we all try to do. How do we ensure that, Tom, you have the right data, I have the right data, and we're both looking at the right data? The way you do that, of course, is through cloud computing. The other thing I'll just point out around cloud, Tom, that that's, I think, really important is we know that the idea of customer service is another big one. And and again, this is maybe even one of those stories that's going to have legs into 2022, I bet. But I think what we're seeing from citizen services, customer service is, again, you do better by having your applications, your data in the cloud. That makes the accessibility easier. It makes you be able to be more nimble. I I talked to uh, someone just the other day about, hey, how do we become more nimble? And a lot of that, again, goes back to cloud. It goes with DevSecOps. It goes to all these pieces that are put in place that you can't be as successful at if you're not already or moving toward the cloud. And of course, Rob Dapkowitz from Metel always likes to highlight network modernization, transition versus transformation. That transformation, of course, is Tom, the cloud. The cloud, yes. And uh, another time we'll talk about DOD cloud when we get Jared Serbu on here, but a lot of developments there. And we're speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. And let's let's go to the lightning round here for a minute. <laughs> Surprises that the people you talked to raised about 2021. And again, what does it mean for the year ahead? The idea that remote work has come came up again during the last year, again, maybe not 100% surprising, but again, I go back to it was something that Eric Olson, the former Treasury CIO, pointed out. He goes, if you look at what the annual Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey, FEV, says, employee satisfaction is at an all-time high, largely driven, he says, by remote work. Agencies all of a sudden said, whoa, if we if, if, the, if our employees are not you know, in their seats at their at the office, but they're doing their work when they do their work and where they do it from. There's been no what he calls material degradation and mission outcomes as a result of this maximum telework. I think that's the wow moment that, yes, we saw that in 2020, but it really came to fruition in 2021. And people are going, hey, this could be permanent. And you're starting to see that, you know, our colleague Nicole Grisco probably talked a lot about workforce and pay benefits changes that she saw during 2021. And, and the, now agencies, as they're saying, come back into the office they're not saying five days a week. They're saying do some sort of split schedule because, of course, they realize the benefits and and the success of that remote work. Tom, the other thing I'll, I'll just throw at you is, as a, maybe an interesting aside is, again, something that Rob Dapakowitz pointed to, which is the EIS transition, the Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions contract. This is run out of GSA. And, Tom, we know a couple of things. There's some big deadlines coming up in 2022. But during 2021, things just lagged and, and things suffered. And that's going to have a long tail effect into 2022 and beyond as agencies are slower than they should be in modernizing their network. And, again, that all has a downward effect on things like cloud computing, on digital services, on cybersecurity. So I, I think, while not, again, I won't go back to, oh, my goodness, surprising, it's still stuff that's kind of stood out that maybe most folks – aren't thinking about as they think about the federal technology community over the last year. And what do you think flew under the radar that might have gotten more attention or should have gotten more attention? Two things come to mind. The, the first one I'll point to is chief data officers and, and the, the, this data idea. Tom, I'm going to I'm going to pull my cliche card out here and put it on the ground for you because I know how much you love cliches. But really, data as the new oil, right? You can't. There's no, it's all about the data. You and I were writing about this back in 2004, 2005. But I think what folks are starting to understand that, that I think has not gotten enough attention is just that importance of managing data, understanding your data, using your data to make better decisions. We, we hear a lot of folks talking about it, but how much of a progress, how much progress did they actually make in 2021? I, I think they made it quite a bit more than we think. 
And on the opposite side, going back to the beginning of our conversation around cybersecurity, I think this idea of data driving decisions around cybersecurity also is, is much more advanced than we, th- we think it is or, or it should be. The other one I'll, I'm going to put a foot into is, is the world of procurement. And again, this idea that federal procurement, which is challenging, people get frustrated with it. Uh, I think the growing use of other transaction authorities, the growing use of commercial service openings, and how that's driving towards technology, I think that's another piece that people maybe didn't pay attention to about the impact that's having in DOD specifically, but I think more broadly across the government and, and the way GSA and some others are really trying to change how acquisition is done to get agencies the ability to, to buy technology more quickly, more efficiently, and more effectively. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks so much. My pleasure. Check out all of Jason's coverage in 2021 and 2022 at federalnewsnetwork.com. And throughout this year-end period, we'll be presenting previews of 2022 from all of the reporters at Federal News Network as we work to keep you informed and prepared. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, 
We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-Stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. 
and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 